Hello, and welcome to Reptor Screenings, episode 74. I'm your host, and with me is my regular host, Jackson. Hello, Cinema. And Destiny. Hi. Uh, we're here. Yeah. We're doing it. Talking about films. That's true. The movie That's podcast. Correct. Motion pictures. Yeah. So, uh, Destiny, you get to go first. What have you watched in the last two weeks? The only movie I have watched is uh, Moon Age Daydream, which just came out. It is a documentary. Uh, I'm pulling up the director's name, Vamp. No. No. <laughs> oh, wait. Sorry. This is a Badland Girls. You should have you should have done your homework. You, does it take this long to type in Moon Age Daydream into Wikipedia? Apparently. No, I just... I just want to get the director's name. That's all I want. And I I know. Oh. It's directed by Brett Morgan. Thank you. That's all I wanted to do. <laughs> and uh it's about David Bowie and it was a good time. It was like a really cool visual collage of his like artistic and spiritual outlook. Um and it had a lot of cool, like, footage of David Bowie just, just doing David Bowie shit, you know? Like, painting and miming. And, um, I, I really enjoyed this movie. Uh, it didn't really, like... I mean, I guess I saw a side of Bowie I hadn't seen before. Because, like, he, they, they showed some of his paintings and he had never really, like, shown off his artwork. And, um, just hearing, like, what he thought about spirituality was really really interesting but yeah it, it made me want to make art and and that's a good takeaway from a thing i think uh fair enough i i enjoyed this movie i liked it well enough um it is the most like sometimes movies are just uh images that you put in your brain and some sounds over the top of it possible i feel most like when this when someone makes a uh biopic of like an artist they really like not even biopic, like a documentary about their life. It's either we're talking about a really specific moment in time that's like interesting in that it's a snapshot of where they were at this moment. Kind of like the Beatles one, even though I think that one's boring. That's what it's trying to do, right? Or mm. it's here's the thing I think is neat. And it's like a tribute to them, the things I like about them. Maybe you'll find value in that. But I really just want to tell you about this guy I think is cool. And that's really where this one falls down into. It's not like earth shattering or anything. Um, but uh, it is funny. Um, I think the thing that it finds out of Bowie that's interesting is a guy who constantly is like being told, oh, is this, you, you've reinvented yourself like four times. Is this new self your authentic self? And he's like, yes, I think I finally figured it out. And then five years later, there's a new Bowie and they're asking the same questions. And he's like, oh, yeah, this time I really figured it out. Um, and the idea that any of them weren't real and that this one is somehow more real by being the present one is just um, I think everyone lives this to some degree. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Much like the movie we're going to discuss, it has some interesting things it does with time that I really mm. enjoyed. Where, like, it's not really a chronological... It's chronological, but, like, the music isn't. Like, the way that... Uh, yeah, I was going to say, that the movie is, like, broadly chronological, but cuts a bunch of footage throughout, so... Yes, yes. And yeah. I, I thought that was, like, my favorite thing about it. I, um... David Bowie is, uh, this is not rare actually for me, but, um, once you get to like night, like late eighties into like modern Bowie, that's when Bowie, mm, just a good looking guy. Love him. Yeah. He party. <laughs> I have no time for like uh drugged out thin, weird Bowie. Not Where my he's speed. Just, uh, 
eating peppers and drinking milk and doing black yeah. magic and just way too skinny. Way too skinny, way too pale. Yeah. Yeah. Looking scared in the headlights. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, people should watch The Hunger if you've not seen The Hunger. That's a good oh, fucking movie. Yes. It's like, oh, The Hunger. Jackson, what do you got? I've, I've, I mean, I've, I've watched some movies. I can't talk about any of them. Okay. <laughs> um, All right, fine, fine. But fine, I, fine. I have been watching movies. <laughs> uh huh. I don't believe you unless you tell us on the, this podcast they don't exist. <laughs> I'll tell, I'll tell them on a different podcast. Um, I watched Niagara. Um, oh, I have an auto playing ad happening right now. Why is this happening to me? Stop it! Stop it! How do I get to stop that? What? Where's the ad playing? Like in on Letterbox? On Letterbox, man. Yeah. Go away. Fuck off. Yeah, I didn't like that at all. That was really loud. Um, so I watched Niagara, uh, the Henry Hathaway movie starring Joseph Cotton and Marilyn Monroe, uh, where he's like an abusive like veteran, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, she says he's a veteran. I, I guess we don't like meant to think that's true, but I don't know. Um, and she's his young hot wife who he doesn't trust because uh, she's sleeping around. <laughs> she has, she has, he has very no, he has no reason to trust her. She's not a, she's not actually on the up and up. He's right about that. Um, and they're in this cabin and uh, they, she wants to kill him. She's got a boyfriend who's going to help her. Uh, this really like normal couple um are meant to move into this co this uh, cabin and don't they get the cabin next door and they kind of become friends with this couple in the way that like married couples in fiction become friends with each other but it's always tenuous and weird uh i feel like this is the bedrock of modern like last century american fiction is two married couples that are in close, close proximity and actually don't get along but what are you gonna do don't they um, spend i like don't remember very well but don't they spend some time like snooping on them too and kind of gossiping with each other about them I wouldn't go that far, but yeah, they're definitely like, what's their deal? They're really weird. Yeah, um, <laughs> I don't know. I just, and, yeah, they're funny. They're anyway, so Marilyn Monroe tries to get her boyfriend to kill Joseph Cotton, and then he, uh, because he's like a tough guy, manages to kill that guy, um, And th but then plays like he's dead um, to try to like bait her out, and it just becomes a weird murder mystery. Um, Joseph Cotton and Marilyn Monroe are both really good in it. Um, it's one of those movies you're like, man, you just need, if, if people just got divorced in, in 1953, the world would be better. <laughs> None of this would have happened. <laughs> um, but um, I really enjoyed it. It's just nice. It's like 80, 88 minutes. It's real brisk. It's uh, one of those like early, like three color, uh, color films. So it looks fucking great. Uh, those early Technicolor films are, can't be beat. Um, and uh, yeah, it's chill. It's weird. Cause it's like, one of those, like, it would be a lavish noir, but it's two shitty tourist cabins in, in Niagara Falls. So it just feels chintzy in a way that's, like, delightful. Um, mm -hmm. But I highly recommend it if you're interested in uh, in this sort of stuff. That sounds fun. Color yeah. noir is always a good time. I, um... I'm not like super well watched on Marilyn Monroe, but, like, I always think of Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, which is one of my favorite movies. Just incredible film. But, um so different she made that right after this uh yeah i i'm a big fan of her and this is one of her oh that pink dress she's never looked better and i know we shouldn't just reduce her to her looks because she's a great actress but that pink dress okay you're allowed anyway that was my <laughs> film <laughs> 
I guess we'll get into it then. Uh, our movie this week is Last Year at Marienbad, uh, directed by Alain René, uh, written by Alain Rob Goulet. Uh, this came out in 1961. Uh, it is a French film. Jackson. No. <laughs> <laughs> what happens in Last Year at Marienbad? <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I, I'm not doing No, so... <laughs> uh, in a... Massive hotel that is also a Versailles palatial estate. Um, uh, a man and a woman are like hanging out, and the man says uh, that last year they also met at a similar uh, place like this. Could have been at Maraban, could have been at these other European places. Yeah, last year at Carl Stodd just doesn't sound as good. It doesn't, doesn't sound as good, yeah. Uh, <laughs> And we definitely met, and we almost like had an affair, or we or we did have an affair, and, uh, and or say, or I I or I killed you, or I assaulted um, you, or yeah, yes, or any assault- any possible thing. And the movie is going back and forth, cutting between. Well, what we would say, like, it's not it's not really cutting between timelines, cutting between po- cutting between cinematic possibilities of whether this relationship happened in the past, what their current relationship is. Uh, yeah, but also possibilities in the present. Yes. It, and no, neither of them are delineated cleanly. It just bounces between them uh, while, um, like, he's, he, and the, the, the general gist is he's trying to convince her uh, to, like, we totally had this connection and you, sh- you should run with me. And she's like, I don't think so. Uh, and there's another weird man who he keeps losing to in uh, a, like, a, one of those, like, matchstick games that's just like a uh, con you do at pubs. Yeah, it's called Nim is the is the game. Yeah, I'm like I know this one. I know the I know the trick. I know how you win this every time. Yes. Um, <laughs> honestly, he's a bit of a fucking moron to lose it when he starts because he's like, let me start first, and he still loses. He's an idiot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and like this tension of like, is this the husband? Is is you know? But even that's not clear as it goes between all the various possibilities in a dreamlike manner, uh, as everyone very Frenchly. Uh, voiceovers there on Wii over all these uh, scenes. Often of, like, these, like, possibilities, but also just, like, scenes of the ominousness of a massive, like, bourgeois hotel place like this. Yes. Uh, just a kind of strange null space to lose yourself in. Um, and that's the entire movie. There is no conclusion. I mean, they do leave the hotel together. Yes, but you don't like it. Doesn't say, and here's the. There's no fucking like random no, no, no. fourth version that no. ties it all together. No, we don't get clue ending C. No, <laughs> no. he's gonna go home and sleep with his wife. <laughs> uh, but it's impossible to summarize. No, that is that's true. Job. This is this is what the movie is, though. You're correct. Yes. Um. So, Destiny, you picked this, right? Why did you? Pick I this sure one? did. Uh, when I was a young teen. This was always on IFC all the time, the independent film channel, back when they actually showed independent films in the late 90s. And um, I never caught the whole thing. I would always catch it in bits and pieces, and I would just find it so mesmerizing. And I was like, what's going on in this movie? What's what's it about? What's happening? Like, it was just something out of a dream for lack of a better term. And so I've always wanted to see it all the way through. And I still kind of feel the same way about it, but I definitely love it. (laughs) 
Um, yeah, so we watched, uh, we were going to watch this on Sunday and I started watching it and you had had a very busy weekend. So just kind of started falling asleep. And I was like, you know what? Normally I'd just stop this and we'd watch it on Thursday or whatever, but I'm vibing with this so much. I'm just going to watch the whole thing, which is what I did. Rude. Um, uh, yeah, maybe a little bit. Uh, sometimes you're just like, man, I'm in the middle of really liking this and I don't want to pop the bubble, especially lately where I've not been in a movie mood at all. It, it, it's like pulling teeth to get me to sit down and watch a movie. Um, but, um, I thought this movie was great. This is like the, this is what I'm, when I'm like, I really want a French ass film. This is the movie I'm talking about. <laughs> right. Same. Like I always, I want movies to aspire to this. <laughs> um, it's very arty. Nothing really happens. It, the things that it's about are not really of like in, like they're like crunchy, but it's like a bunch of gender politics about like, is this guy like, did he push himself on this woman? Did she submit to him? Actually, was it like just a rape that happened? All that's not clear. And that's just the murky reality of human beings interacting in love in a weird place. I'm like, no, not really. That's not, it's, it's actually really easy to not fall into the situation actually, but uh, <laughs> not in 60 cinema, I guess. Um, and, um, so I get like someone being like, Ugh, uh, about it, but, uh, it's like overwrought voiceover it's weird like the space the hotel is one it's shot both as like a, a silent film in a lot of ways uh both in like the way they structure the shots and the way that like extras in the background all act um when i read, read the wikipedia like they asked to get like silent film stock and kodak was like we don't we don't make that anymore you can't get that sorry <laughs> um but it makes sense uh because everything about it feels like a silent movie but with talking in it um to the point where like the spaces like start to like there's like uh, people always out on the square but the way they're out on the square makes them seem like they're statues and sometimes they're actual statues and the way they're shot makes them look like they're people yeah. and then there's like these stone trees that look like sometimes they're shot like they're trees sometimes they're shot like they're people there's times where like there'll be people out and the people are casting shadows but nothing else in this shot is because it's like a composite shot to like just in increase the unreality of it all um it just feels dreamlike in a way that is uh, often tritely applied to movies that are like abs like we any weird weird at all i guess um and i feel like this one comes by it really honestly of like the truth is not an interest it is just tone and layers of repetition of ideas um not even like doing anything with them just here they are like going down endless hallways of uh limited possibility like when you're just fixated on something in your dream you're just dreaming about the same thing like i dreaming I've, i'm going back to college but i don't know what, what any of my classes are i've had that dream a hundred times and every time it's a little bit different but it's still the same goddamn dream and i hate it um and that's what last year in barn about it it's <laughs> <laughs> a good way to put it We haven't heard from Jackson, and everyone went silent. I was, I was waiting for someone to say, like, "Oh, Jackson, what do you think?" And then it just be we became too silent that I was like, "I can't say anything now." No, now <laughs> so, you gotta say anything. I'm leaving it say because I'm not gonna edit it out. Fuck! I guess I did now justify the ridiculous <laughs> silence there, and now it's part of the content. God damn it! What a moron! Uh, this is the thing we are in the long hallways and the stone pillars and the stairs. Yeah, it's exactly the... like this. <laughs> I didn't like this movie. This movie's fucking stupid. I'm not okay. So here's the problem: is I don't. I think this movie is well made. I didn't like dislike it, but to come to a podcast and talk about why I dislike it re just requires me to sound dismissive. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I was like, Jack's not gonna like this. This is, this is a me movie, uh, up and down. I love this shit. This is what I so want. So I'm, I'm watching the first like 
half an hour, and it's all of a sudden I'm like, is this a jo- is this joking? Is this, is this like a is it like taking the piss? And it's not. No. It's not taking the piss. No, no. It's completely honest when it's just like Frenchly doing French shit slowly over nothing for fucking fifty. Years. And I don't. And when I talk about it, I sound like I hate this movie. I don't. It's fine. It does that. Uh it's watchable you know like it, it's good all the things you said are true uh but i'm like okay but does this is this going anywhere no um, and uh no no it is not uh like movies don't need to have plots no but they could have like better fixations than the massively boring like romantic triangles of rich people without even the like fun stuff like there's no they treat that like it's actual content and it's just not <laughs> like oh finally a really slow exploration of uh the interior uh like considerations of rich people thinking about cheating on each other and maybe assaulting each other i love um, I, I love it i love it i you know uh yeah so i i like i didn't i didn't <laughs> i did not dislike it as much as any of the words i'm saying uh like imply but just because of the like the way i bounced off it uh any like verbalized criticism is just a jerk off motion <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, sorry it wasn't realist enough for you. I didn't even pick this movie. This isn't on me to defend. I'm not defending shit. I loved it. I, I think that, uh, I understand where your opinion's coming from. I guess I am defending. Never mind. I'm gonna defend. Um, I think that, you know, it's something that's been parodied a lot. Not specifically this movie, but just the idea of, like, a weird French movie that is non-linear and... Like, when you see that a lot in pop culture, of course, like, seeing this is going to feel stale and... I would I would argue that Jax has not seen a bunch of things riffing on this movie. Oh, really? I've not seen that much riffing on this movie. And okay. I, I, like, you know... I, Growing I, up, it was parodied a lot in, like, cartoons. Like I do not feel them. like I ever saw anything parodying this. Like, The Simpsons did one... Um, oh yeah, well, that's why I would would not have, that would have I, missed me. I want to say Rocco's Modern Life had a like like it was just like a thing in in in, in culture, but um so that's what I was gonna say. But if you if you've not been exposed to that, maybe I'm on the wrong track. Um, but no, I understand completely why you didn't like it. But I super loved it. I think the last part. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go on. The worst part is I finished watching it. And I'm like, yeah, that was that wasn't like, it didn't didn't vibe me. And then I look up the reception and it's like split down the middle. And then I'm like, oh god damn it! I'm I'm completely agreeing with the like annoying Pauline Kale review, calling it st- stupid and pretentious. And now I'm like, now I feel stupid because it it was like a mini culture war in the sixties. Yes, over the like smart people who can understand dreamlike cinema and the like drama must have three act structured formalists uh in this and i'm like god damn it first of all nothing's ever changed no like all <laughs> all film arguments are the same for the last hundred years yes that's uh, true so, so yeah realizing like that and that i you know the archetypes there I was like, god god damn it <laughs> i mean you are you are the pauline kale of this podcast that is just true yeah but i'm not making a you know uh ill-advised hail mary about you know uh awesome wells and citizen kane for no fucking reason well that's true that's correct um or the other one mank remember mank i'm gonna do mank for this podcast we're not gonna do i've never seen it so we're not gonna do mank okay um yeah i just like a movie that is about stewing in an emotion more than i like movies that are about things um Mm -hmm. i just recently saw um hiroshima monomore which is the movie renee made before this um 
which is also a movie about two people who are in a weird strained relationship but you know that one's about that one it has like the backing of uh she fell in love with the, an occupying nazi and he was his family all died in hiroshima <laughs> and uh now they're on a movie set together uh <laughs> Which uh, I don't know if that ad. In fact, I think it. I think this is a better movie than Hiroshima One More. Um, uh, but um, I, uh, it, he just seems to like those are the only two movies that I've seen. But they're both of a type that is about two people who just kind of lay on beds and lament their fates. And honestly, that's like a good fifteen percent of my life. So um, I find this deeply relatable on that way. <laughs> For me, it's more about just the imagery, like. Sometimes film is just images, and yes, and if they're pretty enough, and you've got enough of them, make a movie, and I'm happy. I need we want our film to be beautiful and not realistic. Yeah, um, yeah. Ornate Starwells likes to say um, movies are a series of of images uh, projected one after the other. Um, I'm paraphrasing. I don't know the exact quote. I don't know where they pull that from, or if it's just something that Neve says. Um, do you but mean movies? This are is, this is extremely what? Do you mean movies are aesthetic experiences? That's the thing Neve's always saying. Yeah, but there's like another addition to it. Oh yeah, okay. I don't remember that. Um, but yeah, yes, this is extremely one of those. That. Yeah. Um, and uh, I've always vibed with that kind of film. Um, I was weird because I'm, I'm not against like tone pieces. <laughs> uh, are you? Out. Aren't you? What? What's a, what's a tone piece you like that doesn't isn't just like a plot or theme movie? Well, like the. Uh, Hmm. I'm like I like the ascent, but I guess that's a I don't know if you're counting. That. <laughs> I don't know. Do the movie I, being slow? Like how slow does the movie have to get before it I don't? I don't think right? slowness is the point here. I really don't. I don't either. Um, Rumination is the point. <laughs> well, so took, the ascent is about is clearly about very specific things that are in Jackson's like uh, okay political like wheelhouse. I like Tokyo Drifter, but not because it's a fucking movie about a Yakuza guy. That's true. That's true. That's, That's fair. That's just because it's a guy walking around doing... The, in the like, in the cataclysmic divide between French movie people and Japanese movie people. Yes, no, I, I know my... Because the, the, there's the world of, like, do I not like tone pieces or do I just not like when a movie's insanely French? <laughs> I love when a movie's insanely French. I love it. <sighs> it's so French, just, y'all. Rich, hot people sadly saying about their own we and their relationships ever will never connect together. I was like, this is the best movie we've watched since Red Desert. Just That's fucking cool. Red Desert is a much better one of these. Like I was, also, uh, it is. Like... Don't get me wrong, it is. But I feel very I similarly about what I like out of both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, um, this also is like this is somewhere between Red Desert and Alphaville, which is a movie that you didn't like at all, and I still really like. Nobody likes Alphaville apparently, but I do. Oh. I like Cleo from five to seven. That's my French French tick there. That's like, like the most normal one, also. Um, what's my go-to French I'm... movie? Shit, I have to think about that. Um, I don't... yeah, Country like one France. Varda doesn't miss. Um, if you like being, it's like I don't really like French film, but I like the Anya's Varda movie. I'm like, no fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't even know enough about French film to know that that's like a thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was even mid on the samurai. That's like literally targeted at my entire aesthetics. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I guess I guess this is just anti-French bias. I'll need to watch some some more because I'm, I'm very underseen. Like you know, when I when we were doing French cinema in school, we watched uh, Breathless Night for like <laughs> jerk off motion. By the way, <laughs> I like Breathless just fine. Yeah, only, okay, I've made my say, piece. I I was worried I was the only one on this podcast that like. No, Breathless. I didn't like it for a long time, but I've seen it about four times. And the last time I watched, it, I was like, you know, yeah, I talked about this podcast. I was like, oh, you know, I see what this is doing. I'm 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 down for it. If we're going to talk about Godard for a second, I really like... um, No, no, we're not. 
what's that movie? The Little Soldiers? I do not know what you're talking about. Okay, never mind. I'm not that watched <laughs> on Godard. I like uh, Viva la Savie a lot. Um, I, I like Alphaville, but I, I haven't like... seen that many Godards. And then if we get in the French New Wave in general, I like Truffaut a lot. I haven't really seen much Truffaut. That's the thing I need. That's the, probably the place I need to. Truffaut probably seems like the guy you would vibe with. Yeah, that that makes sense for me. Um, <laughs> as embarrassing as that is to say, that is probably just true. But I'm I'm scrolling I'm scro- I'm scrolling through like letterbox French movies sort by like popularity is like the most people. Pe- yeah, the most well seen, well liked ones of these. Amelie, like, which okay. is a fucking I was terrible about to film. Say that Amelie. That one's like, like that one's okay. Oh, it's specifically French language films. It doesn't, you know. Yes, so Amelie's like, in okay. French. Uh, uh, that's okay. Le Samurai's fine. And then I got to like Wages of Fear, and I was like, damn, that's a fucking movie. So yes, I guess <sighs> everything about me is true. <laughs> <laughs> All true. Cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> no, Wages I have a taste. fucking cinema. <laughs> You are a person that knows what they like. I don't know if that's true. I think it's very true. Emma's uh, a person yeah. that knows what I like. <laughs> <laughs> I, um... We have a derogatory. Um, I know, yeah, don't worry. I knew what you meant. Um, anything else? This isn't, like, you know, people should watch... I, I think this movie's great. Uh, it's very short, also. Um, but it's definitely one of those where, like... You're not vibing with it. It's a long eighty-eight minutes, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. If you're, yeah, I was gonna say that. <laughs> uh, I, I guess, like, I guess, I want to say, like, the bit where it gets to the like, what in any other version of this movie is the big reveal, the like assault scene. Uh huh. Um, and then just brushes over that as just another thing. Is is a uh, pretty good, like in in any other movie, like that becomes the truth at the heart of it that like breaks open the whole. Uh, facade of all mm-hmm. the possibilities, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And here it's just subsumed into the mess of it all. It doesn't like, like the possibility of that violence doesn't like elucidate anything. Doesn't provide clarity with the catharsis of how awful it is. It just yeah. is there in the mess. Like, be- well, one, she doesn't acknowledge that it even ha- like it. Like, yes, it might not have happened. Like, it could just be a thing he's projecting out. That like, oh, I really desired her. Did I go too far and actually force himself on her? Slash the 60s cinema thing. And this is not just exclusive to a French film of like men and women are constantly in dubious consensual situations that are played as romance. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. As just part of the tapestry of romantic cinema. Uh, it sucks. Uh, 60 years ago is a long time. Um, but um, yeah, that stuff all means that it just gets it, it just gets thrown on the pile of things that might have happened. Right. Like. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's even like, ah, oh, she broke her shoe, but then she breaks her shoe in the present. Like, but then there's also a time where she broke her shoe, but he wasn't there. Which one of those is real? They talk about them all kind of in all overlap with each other. There's a lot of that. Uh, the soundtrack's also really funny. Uh, yeah, it's just an organ going ham for yeah, nine minutes. <laughs> yes, it uh, it sounds like. This movie depicts what, when I was like a teenager, I was convinced both heaven and hell were like. Oh. In like a way that like caused me to not be Christian. Wow. That's interesting. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Because it's a lot of like, well, if you, if you go to, if you go to hell, it's just like existential ennui forever and you're suffering. If you go to heaven, you're there forever. And like everyone, I guess who got into heaven's there, but then what do you do? That just sounds intolerable. That's just life. We're already no, in a place. No, no, because like 
eternity is forever. Like every permutation of like, I won't be able to meet everyone in the world. That's like, I won't even be able to meet like 10,000 people in the world. There's like almost 8 billion people in, in eternity. You could meet all 8 billion people. It's like intolerable how big it is. I mean, like it keeps going though. There's always uh, a new thing. Not in eternity. There isn't because everyone's there. There's no new things in eternity. I mean, eternity doesn't mean like all things in a single. Mo- I don't know enough about Christian cosmology to understand. Is like, is heaven like a single moment applied through eternity? Back, back change does not happen in heaven because it's you're already there. Yeah, but like, do, you, do you, is your son there immediately, or do you have to wait forty years? Like, what, no, what, no, no, no. Like, I, I believe I think this is like up to me, and it's been a long time. But certain depictions of it is everyone wait like. Once you die, if you go to heaven, everyone arrives in the like heaven at the same time ish. But like continuity after the keeps end of the going? world, at this well, no, because then time stopped because the world ended. I mean, this is always the thing that's always this is not this is no longer our movie, but this is genuinely the thing that has confused me about Christian theology and like what it's uh, like saying to people is the like contradiction that comes with desperately needing to try to preserve an idea of individuality in an afterlife like myth. Yes. Um, and it, it just, it just well, yeah, there's, there's also the argument that there is no such thing as an individual in heaven you all just get subsumed into the body of God which sounds great but I don't, I don't necessarily believe in God unfortunately that's sense. how yeah, yeah that, that is the, I, that is a lot of other like yes. conceptions of the afterlife I just I think of uh like you know, when I was growing up, it was, and then you die, and then you, you, the you, you still exist after you die is the thing. Yes, that defines. We're compressing. We're compressing centuries of Christian right. debate into like a single moment of argument here. But you know, I wasn't saying like def- I was saying yeah. defines my experience as a modern like Protestant. No, I'm not, I'm like an atheist, right? But I grew up in a Protestant Protestant like town and went to mm-hmm. church briefly. And when I was talked, when people talked about God and death to me, a child, it was talked about in that in those terms of yes. Uh, believing God is the escape from ever losing the self. Yes. Anyway, that's got nothing to do with this movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, no, yeah, other than everyone in a big hotel and time seems to stand still and everyone kind of doesn't remember because uh, anything is possible is, is like I said, like one of the things that makes heaven sound miserable to me mm-hmm. in like a, in like a, ah, oh, secretly it's a terrible place to be way that like some people take, I don't necessarily believe, but it's hard for minds to wrap their head around time and having no meaning. It's just rough. It's just rough out there. Um, yes. Anyway, that's part of the reason I like the movie. But the the organ going nuts at all times helped kick that opinion into my brain when I was watching it. That's pretty funny. Because it's somewhere between like a, a church organ and a circus happening at all times. Yes. Um, and I, I vibe with that. I think it's good. But <laughs> um, anyway. It of like a B-horror film. Yes. That, there's also that. But that's part of the like silent moviness of it all to me. Oh, for um, sure, yeah, and that's intentional. Yeah. Um, do we have anything else? Or we should go to questions. I just want to interject to say those Godard movies I couldn't remember: La Petite Soldat and. Uh, you know La... the French don't like just raise their octave like a whole. Lot of <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> so movies, I don't know right? how to pronounce anything in French. So that was the one La language I never soldat. studied. <laughs> I, I never studied French. I don't know. Uh, and I mean, he said it was fine, so, I think, but... That was but so mean! You <laughs> <laughs> had a goofy voice over it. It was very like funny. Like, Benier? Benier's? Well, I don't uh, know. You sound like me. You sound like me trying to say like any Jackson's. other language I right now. I never studied French. I don't know how to pronounce anything. That's fine. You're you're allowed. Um, 
Yeah, I, I would like to watch more Godard, but there's a lot of movies, and well, a lot of them are kind of hard to get a hold of. The Criterion like, Channel put a buttload on now yes. that he's gone. Yeah, but all the ones that I, you can easily get a hold of, none of the like real deep cuts. Mm. Um, I think Arrow has a few. Yeah, again, the deep cuts are genuinely hard to get in the world. Mm. Um, anyway, is that it? Probably so. All right, yeah. so if you'd like to send emails, you can send them to abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we like questions about anything. Um, but these are about some movies. So Gary writes in, what's your favorite sequel where the title just increments the number from the previous movie? Because e.g. Uh, Ocean's 11 to Ocean's 12. The only one I could think of was The Fate of the Furious because it makes me laugh. Uh, uh, by w- that point, I'm like, I'm out. Like, Too Fast, Too Furious is clearly the peak of the stupid numbering of <laughs> oh, the <laughs> It is pretty good. Too Fast, Too Furious. Incredible. <laughs> um... The one I thought of for this, and it's not even the movies don't use it, but the whenever you read like trades, like like industry talk, they always refer to the TNG Star Treks as Star Trek seven through ten, and I always yeah. think that's really funny to me. It's really dumb because <laughs> they're really consistent about doing it in like a way that feels like kind of snotty. Um, but I do like referring to Nemesis Star Trek ten and not Star Trek Nemesis with so. the fucking Roman numerals. Yeah, like. I think part of the reason is the the TOS movies became kind of a running joke of like Hollywood will make if this was you know a different era where like Hollywood will make sequels out of anything where you got six ass Star Trek movies and everyone's old now who gives a shit um, and uh, so they just kept doing it. Um, I mean, it was also that that uh, joke about you know the even ones are good and the odd ones are bad or whatever. Doesn't even hold. The first movie is really great. I don't understand. Um, the only bad original series movie is Star Trek Three. I firmly believe this with my whole heart. That's just true. You can watch, you can sit down and watch any of those other five movies. I'll have a great time. Yeah. In different ways, but yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Modern writes in, um, I wanted to buy Nope on Blu-ray, but I was turned off by the awful cover art they chose for it. Uh, it's especially bad as there are posters of the movie that are way better and more evocative, but we have a bad Photoshop job. What is your most memorable, terrible DVD cover? To which I immediately have leapt on the easy answer of those Spider-Man Blu-rays. They're just the oh. flat blue oh. with the, the cutout oh, image of the so character. they're so bad. They're so fucking terrible. Yeah, I was about to say, can you share this imagery? I don't yeah, think yeah, I've it's, seen it's, it. It's, it's coming up. It's coming up. Hang on. Here you go. Uh, These were infamously clowned on when it was announced. I need to find a good. There you go. You go. This is just one of them. They're so uh, bad. And there's th- there are three of them. They're all the same, and they look coming fake. In hot. Oh, that's bad. Yes. What the fuck? Yeah, one of them is just the Green Goblin, I think, and one of them I think is just Spider Man. I don't remember. They didn't really. Uh, no, they're all try. the villain and the, the. No, they're so. And the worst part is like those movies have good posters. Yes. Oh, these are awful. They don't even evoke like exciting movie to me. They just evoke we've retired. <laughs> yes. I don't. I don't understand the like default Blu-ray covers because I. I like. I remember that cause I don't really buy Blu-rays much anymore. But there was a period where I was in um, you know, using my student loans on Blu-rays, <laughs> uh, and I would go to the HMV and I would look through what they had and I would get the like five for twenty deal, um, and get fairly cheap Blu-rays, and I was just always surprised by how much if it was if it was a like mass release by a major like studio. Even if it was a classic movie, honestly, especially if it was a classic movie, the cover would be dog shit. <laughs> yeah, old yeah. movies have terrible DVD covers. I don't know why it isn't just normal. To I assume they have to license the poster art. I don't know why you don't just make the poster art. I think they have to license it. I think. Yeah. Um, that's my guess. 
uh oh were you done oh, i was just gonna say none of this never really actually trickled eh, criterion still does it sometimes i hate like the minimalist covers uh it was a, the worst trend of tumblr among many t- terrible trends of tumblr um i hate it there's nothing good about just some f- f- badass minimalism my pet peeve is when somebody like who has a five minute role gets really, 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 really famous. Mm. And then <laughs> a movie that, <laughs> you know, like 10 years later, that movie comes out on DVD and they like put a big pic. Like, okay, my example is the movie Cutting Class, which is this awful, wonderful slasher film from the early 80s. And Brad Pitt is in it. He's a very minor role. So in the aughts, when they put this movie out on DVD, there's this huge bad picture of Brad Pitt on the cover of the DVD, and he's barely in the movie. And and that is my pet peeve when they, they do the, you had a small role, but you're huge, and we're just going to put you on the DVD box to sell it. Okay, I, I, found, I, found, my, I found my answer to the specific thing I'm talking about, uh, which is, I think it was Sony did some, like, whatever run of, of Blu-rays for their, like, I say classic, but anything that was over 15 years old, right? Uh, mm-hmm. They're printing new Blu-rays of. Uh, they went to like some numbered anniversary thing and all the covers were like really bad. Just, we took a live action shot of the movie, blew it up big to make it look like a modern movie. Uh, here you go. Here's the taxi driver one. Oh um, no. Oh. I hate, I hate, I, hate when, I was too. literally going to say, I don't like when they have like awards and like star rankings and shit on the movie covers. I think that stuff sucks. Um, Where's the hey? This is a small one, but it gets it across. Here's the Lawrence of Arabia one. Uh, oh, this is gonna, oh no! Yeah, yeah. And and I'm just like Lawrence of Arabia is one of the most iconic posters of all time. Like, it's yeah. the, there is a poster of Lawrence of Arabia put on the fucking Blu-ray. Jesus Christ! Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this is the stuff that makes me the most mad. It's um, ugly. But then I also don't like when they give when they do like new editions and do like. We've we've done like new bespoke cool art for this one. I don't I don't know. I just want the I would like the movie to be represented by its like culturally known cover, right? Yes. I think there's a point where not every movie. Some movies have different covers. Um, you know, just like books do. But there are some movies where like an image is rep like everyone is kind of culturally comes to consensus of what image represents them. Just put that on the cover, please. Yeah. Uh, Nora writes in, uh, does anyone have any thoughts on Georges Millier movies? Because Nora was asking if we had any we particularly liked. I don't I, have any thoughts. I don't have any opinions other than, like, they're a good time. But, like, I haven't seen very many. I've seen, like, the moon one that's big and <laughs> maybe a couple more. But The moon one. The moon one. A trip to the moon. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen a couple as well when I was going through silent films. But I have no, like, strong opinions. Totally fine watched uh scorsese's hugo <laughs> um what's the hypest animal to enter a scene in a movie an animal you're just psyched to see because you know something good's gonna happen <laughs> oh that is a good question it's so good i don't know if i have an answer that isn't i can only think of tv animals and i'm having like <sighs> there was a very cute dog in a very short scene in the apartment who was supposed to like run and like cause shenanigans for a second but he missed his cue and jack lemon had to like politely push the dog to get it to move and that made me laugh <laughs> but not quite answering the question but i always think of the the beagle in enterprise 
a Porthos. I yeah. always like when there's a snake because snakes are mostly the most like we're just I'm just a snake. I'm just sitting here in movies and everyone always freaks out. Someone in my uh, retro string asked me if I remembered the uh, the uh, coral snake versus milk snake like color banding thing where it's like uh, red on black, you're okay, Jack, and red on yellow, a man's a dead fellow on the stripes. And there's one in Lost World of Jurassic Park 2. Uh, this like animal expert guy is in the cave and the snake, the wrong snake, the one that's not poisonous, slides into his shirt and he freaks out and runs out of the cave and gets eaten by a T-Rex because of it. And I'm like, that guy would know that that was a harmless snake. Um, and snakes are mostly just kind of chill. Uh, but I, I think it's always funny that people freak out when a snake is in a, in a film. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, and then uh, you talked about Shakespeare movies a lot in the past. Are there any Shakespeare's you've never seen a movie of but would like to? Uh, my answer, I've seen the... Um, uh, Julie Taymor, Titus, uh, but I would like a more normal Titus Andronicus. I like Titus Andronicus <laughs> a lot. There's nothing normal about Titus Andronicus. <laughs> That's true, but I would like it played a little more normally. You know what I mean when I say that. I know what you mean, but come on. Mm. I don't have any specific ones. I'm like, I definitely need to see that. Like, you know, we've been talking about Henry V recently, and I should watch watch a good version of that. Uh, but that's a kind of boring answer. Uh, I but I haven't I haven't been like thinking enough about Shakespeare movies and adaptations really to like answer mm-hmm. this one. Yeah, I don't really have an answer either for that one. Uh, okay. Well then, um, Hilfer writes and will Tom Cruise ever win an Academy Award? Competitive categories only. Um, I don't know what this means, but like, has he not already? No, no, he's nominated for Best Actor uh, in Born on Fourth of July, Andrew McGuire, and was Best Supporting Nomination for Magnolia and did not win any of those. Um, I think I think does. eventually they will give him one when he actually plays old. I think that's what it's going to take. Yeah. I don't know if he's willing to do that. But. No. That's my thing is like, he's never done it. He's never, he, in fact, he has just stopped doing any movies that aren't the biggest movies in the world Yeah, uh, in the last 10 years. So like, he doesn't do the, like, this is the Tom Cruise dramatic turn stuff anymore. Um, sorry, it depends if he ever just lets himself become an old actor. If he does, he'll win one for something. Well, that's fair. Um, Eric writes in, uh, Hollywood is planning a modern sequel reboot to the last year of Marion Bod. They're calling it next year at Marion Bod and they're <laughs> aiming for a teen demo. You've been tapped to write the screenplay. What's your pitch? Uh, well, it's prom. And okay. <laughs> it's prom. <laughs> it's prom. And it just takes place over the course of this like very floaty prom. Maybe the theme is something like celestial delight. And it has like a it's very like <laughs> you know, everybody's kind of wearing pastels. Um <laughs> this isn't a very tight pitch. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like what actors I would cast. Um, my problem is uh, my frame of reference everybody now is too old yeah no i don't have actors because i don't know who's a teen i don't know mm-hmm. teen actors. yeah yeah no absolutely not jackson what's your pitch you went to school for this <laughs> uh well if you want me if you want me my cynical pitch I went to school for this okay well it's obviously set in the 80s uh and it is some um, annoying like you know it is instead of it being um uh like intercut it is two 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 years apart of like a summer holiday to a big hotel with like a few different romance plot lines that all go back and forth between each other. And I guess resolve in a slightly more sad way than your average teenage rom-com, but still basically a crowd pleaser. 
Uh, all right. Uh, my pitch is it is three to five influencers uh, who are all planning a big to do at Marienbad, uh, which is a resort still in this, but probably like a more modern, uh, like fake Ibiza resort, right? Um, and it's all told through Instagram stories that are everyone's viewpoints. Um, and when they are depicting the same event, you see all of them side by side because it's a widescreen film, but it's Instagram stories. Um, but none of them actually cohere to a coherent narrative. Everyone, all three to five of them have distinct, incompatible uh, things that happen to them. when they. It's incredible how much the teenage audience will hate this film. Yeah, but I'll love it. <laughs> I, you know what? I don't think that's true. I think I think like I think if if it hits, Tumblr has tons of posts about depicting what's the mystery of Mar next year at Marion Bod. I think people love the lore that I definitely didn't intend to be in there, but someone will have read it into it, and I well, I'll just let them do it. Oh, Marion Bad theory crafting. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mary writes in. Uh, do you, any of you have a movie you regret watching for any reason? For example, minus flubber, which I saw when I was four, it made me think about death much younger than I should have because a primary character is murdered by burglars. Thanks again. <laughs> but like, if it hadn't have been flubber, wouldn't it have been something else it later down the road? I think it would have been something else. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wanted to make it to 16, untainted by original <laughs> sin and the knowledge of death. <laughs> <laughs> super love that thank you for writing <laughs> um, oh i have to think about this because there are movies that i feel like were too upsetting to what's the um italian film about the i think it's italian the one you made me watch that's really gross made and me what made you watch excuse you you made me watch this movie back in the day uh i asked if you want to i are you talking about sallow i think you're talking yes, about sallow i'm talking yes. about sallow Infamous, I, infamous, uh, extreme cinema, Sallow, 120 yeah, Days of Sodom. I could go my whole which life. Which is not actually that intense, I'm, but it is unpleasant. It's, it's not a great experience. It's unpleasant. And I'm not even talking about the really, like, obvious stuff. Just the undercurrent of just yucky, Nazi yuckiness. Like, that movie makes me I mean, it's a movie that. about fascists, about how fascists are evil. But so, yes. Well, no, but, like, I'm, what I'm trying to say, I know that. It, it makes me feel the yuckiness of that in a way mm -hmm. that's very unique mm -hmm. uh, and super uncomfortable uh, in a way that I never want to experience again. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I So I went through a period because I got into movies through like Ain't It Cool News and like other websites like that in the early aughts. So I went through the period that anyone who goes through movies like that does where I was just like, I need to find the edgiest movies in the world to watch. Like dumb shit dumb shit i grew out of it but um there's of all like of all those movies and i watched many of them that i like a lot of them were very unpleasant it's definitely a serbian film no one should watch that it's very unpleasant regret seeing that one i was like this is it that killed it for me i'm like i'm not doing this anymore <laughs> uh yeah i've never seen anything like that so i like i have that kind of answer it's I'm really stupid it's not even like there's like movies that are like unpleasant in a much more like i like i've watched faces of death that's like genuinely unpleasant in a different way that one was just like extreme content presented by stupid people for shock value in a way that is fake and bad but like also why would you even want to fake this it's just miserable yeah i don't think i'll ever watch it no 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 one should i'm not even there's no value in that it's it was just bad okay yeah um i i believe you. but like 
but like I like I like French New Extremity films. Like I watched Inside and I've watched uh, Martyrs. I like I think Martyrs is like all right, the right context for the right person. I wouldn't recommend it to anybody, um, but because um, it's a lot. Uh, but there's stuff there. Uh, yeah. But I so I, that one I don't regret. But there's ones that I'm like, oh. Uh, yeah, so I don't have like answers like like in in that sense. Um, and then like there's lots of bad movies that I wish I hadn't seen, but that's not really the same thing. There's like you know, like, oh <laughs> yes. I didn't like that one. I wish I never saw it. It's not really a super strong reaction for me. I guess the closest thing it's it's not really the same spirit. I don't like regret having seen it, but uh, the closest thing I can get is uh, I this has come up before in this podcast when I accidentally uh, watched the uh, Ben Wheatley movie Kill List, being told it was oh, a yeah. buddy uh, cop comedy, which that's it is so not, funny. Uh, not buddy cop comedy, buddy like hitman comedy, uh, which it is yeah. about two hitmans, and there are jokes in it, uh, but uh, no. No, no, on no. some, I guess on some of them, I'm mad that I got into Woody Allen. Though I wouldn't have met Destiny if I hadn't. So yeah, yeah, I I was also because like I watched a bunch yeah. of movies and liked a lot of them, and then uh, just it yeah, know, polit- personal politics changed on how I feel about separating art from artists. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah, uh, I didn't even yeah when I was watching Woody Allen because I was like younger, I didn't know about that. It was like my dad introduced those movies to me, mm. and I have a really and you know got a tense relationship with my dad as well. I don't talk to him anymore. Um, so a lot of complicated things in there. Uh, oh yeah my woody allen um, story is worse because i was like an obsessive fan reading biographies and going something's a little fucked up about this guy but i'm just gonna keep in- imbibing his art for a while and then it was like nope can't do it anymore <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah no I, I uh so i only got like you know eight movies in before all of that really broke and i was like i'm too old i know things about the world i'm stopping <laughs> uh, uh yeah, yeah. So i guess similar on that one um all right uh max writes in uh i remember thinking the dumb match stick game was cool i learned as a teen trying to impress my friends i assume your friends were very not impressed because that seems like a thing that no one else would think was cool (laughs) Um, what are your favorite gimmick games tricks and film Um, gimmick uh, games tricks and film. Hmm, i like the like knife thing and alien that's pretty good yeah, I guess that one's fun. I don't have. I'm like, I'm struggling to think of any. Yeah, nothing comes to mind, but I know there's something. Um, and then uh, knowing you've seen this and some Antonioni, etc., for the podcast, do you have any thoughts on the must discuss Six Soul of Europe Pauline Kale essay? I've never read it. What? 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 What's Six Soul of Europe? It is the Six Soul of Europe parties, La Note, La Dolce Vita, and Mariam Bot. It's a Pauline Kale thing about what the fuck's wrong with Europe? Why is everything like an ennui, navel gazing bullshit thing? Oh, I, 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 I went and found this essay because uh, it was on the Wikipedia page and like I went through it and saw the Mariam Bot parts. I was like, I guess I, this is what I was feeling embarrassed about, basically agreeing with. <laughs> yeah. um, I uh, think that. Um, I, like while I like Pauline Kael's work, I think she just wants different things out of movies than I do. Uh, I've always felt that's true, because um, I want to be someone who is like, oh, I think Pauline Kael is just right about everything. I want to be that person. I'm like, I can't be that person. Unfortunately, I mostly am like his hanging out with Roger Ebert in like the, the populism film interest. Uh, Ebert loves this movie for the record. Uh, yeah. <laughs> she's way more um like she's doing the critiques that i was levying but like a little more pointed and mean because it's pulling kale yes. uh, yes. <laughs> uh, it was like you know has the bit was like, here we are back at the no fun party with non-people in what is described to us as an enormous l- luxurious baroque hotel where corridors succeed endless corridors i can scarcely quote that quote even that much of the thick prose without wanting to interject come off it uh yeah no i love it please more of that <laughs> uh, and i'm like yeah they do they do be like oh 
we are in this place where corridors burn to corridors. And it's we beautiful. Know, I love it. I eat it up. It's amazing. <laughs> um, Tron writes in, what are your thoughts on phantoms and favorite phantom stories? Um, how many have I even seen as the non-horror person? I bet I'd like them. Um, I mean, I'm going to shout out the Phantom of the Opera, all versions. Uh, I love it. I love the book. I love all the versions I've seen. Um, there's a couple I still haven't watched yet, but um, it's it's leaving. I can't believe Phantom's go leaving Broadway. It's fucked up. Um, a world without Phantom. I know. I've seen it. I've seen it live in person three times. I love Phantom. It's, um, it's one of those things that doesn't come up, but it's just genuinely one of your favorite things. Yes. Yeah. yeah. What if what if what if a guy was sicko and kind of like the worst, but he did art so good that you were willing to give him a pass, and it leads you to like your doom? Everyone's been through that situation. I'm always being led to my doom. Yeah, absolutely. You've how many Kojima games have you played? Um, none of them are as good as Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> <laughs> I would not but, describe. Um, I would not describe. <laughs> I would describe Metal Gear Solid as better than Phantom of the Opera. Uh, that's probably true. Uh, I'll, yeah, I like them a lot. Um, that's mine, I guess. Ah, uh, me and Dustin need to watch Pulse. I have it on Blu-ray. Yes. Um, and that that's a that's a Phantom movie. Most definitely. Pulse is one of those movies that would be my favorite movie if I wasn't terrified of things. Oh, it's really yeah, it's a lot. It's you would not you would not. If you I've thought if you I've... thought Cure was scary, you'd lose your goddamn mind at Pulse. Yeah, I've read the whole summary. I'm like, this sounds really good and sad in all the ways I like, and uh, nope. No, 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 I can't take it. No, thank I you. I love sad ghost movies. Lake Mungo. Uh, yeah. Why do they have to be so scary? I'm just chilling here. <laughs> <laughs> Destiny, favorite phantoms? Uh, well, I said Lake Mungo. Yep. Um, I really like... Oh, this is... I'm having a brain thing. Phantoms I like. What's the Japanese movie about the woman who like gets revenge on the different samurai you're gonna have to be more specific oh, uh, kuroneko is that yes, what you're thinking of yes yeah. that's exactly the one i'm thinking of sorry i knew m would know <laughs> but you're right that could be any movie kuroneko um i i'm gonna say it the conjuring i love a good i just like ghost movies the innkeepers I'm, yeah basic i know it's basic but it's a good ghost movie um what's your favorite piece of art that deals with temporality um i'm stealing the sliding in the fountain i love the fountain one of my favorite films <laughs> oh you took mine i'm gonna think ds9 about it. episode the visitor that's so true that's just so true god i love the visitor fucking yeah. incredible why when they're making star trek movies do they not like make a feature-length version of the visitor or like something like that we need to watch solaris which is not like the visitor but it is like of a movie about temporality i don't i'm not picking it for next week but mm -hmm. um i should just do that at some point i mean destiny also needs to watch it so we should probably pick it someday but it, it's like three hours long you know oh, yeah hours, i've been hours. trying to read the book i've started that book about six different times Um, have you ever felt like you remember being somewhere doing something that you didn't actually do? Probably. I don't remember. I, I mean, I think I've done it. <laughs> That's very That's funny. That's just hard to disprove. <laughs> There's definitely movies I think I've seen. That happens to me a lot. Not really with games. With books and movies, though, for sure. I have the opposite mm -hmm, where absolutely. I just don't remember things that I've done. 
That also has happened to me, yes. Where, like, I have seen entire films and not remembered until I'm in the middle of watching them. Like, oh, I've seen this. <laughs> yeah. That's happened to me a couple times, yeah. I feel mm-hmm. like it happens to everyone. All right. That's it. Again, uh, abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we love emails. They don't have to be about the movie, obviously. Um, next time, we are going to be watching Viridiana, the Louis Bunuel movie uh, from 1961. Uh, I wanted to watch this. That's it. Uh, That's all I wanted. I was like, I'm been... looking for a movie. Uh, this is this is this is uh, this is real Ambrosio. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's it called? What's it called again? Viridiana. Viridiana. Yes. It is uh, a va- it is a vaguely. I don't think it's actually horror, but it's like a vaguely spooky nun movie. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. This totally is that. <laughs> yeah. Uh. We uh, uh, we've all picked films that have come out within basically a year of each other. Also, that's true. That's true. Uh, yeah. on, on this on this round, I um, I've only seen um, Exterminating Angel and uh, Unshian Andalou from. Oh, I've seen Simone of the Desert from Boonwell, but I love all three of them. Um, so I'm excited to watch more of his work. Mm-hmm. Exterminating Angel. That's a movie about people uh, being in hell, and hell is when other people are there, and you don't know what time is anymore. Ooh, that's a good answer. I, I've not yeah. seen that whole movie, but that's a good one. It's good. Uh, Simone of the Desert, also a good movie about heaven and hell. Um, much more literally, because it's about Jesus in the desert and the devil's there, you know? Well, yeah, that'll, that'll get you there. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, plugs, Destiny. At Fridge Buzz now on the internet. And my other podcast is called Badland Girls. You can find it on Abnormal Mapping. Jackson. Uh, headfuls off on twitter.com you can find the podcast that me and em do at abnormalmapping.com whole bunch of cool podcasts there uh go listen to them uh you can find me on twitter at em underscore being if you'd like to support this podcast you can do it patreon.com slash mapping five dollars a month gets you blockbusters where once a month me and jackson sometimes a guest but usually not sit down and talk about a big hollywood movie and break it down and talk about the script and the ideologies behind it we recently had a free episode just totally free you can just go and listen to it on the iron giant with a friend autumn it was really good um we talk about a lot of stuff that is not the iron giant in that movie <laughs> um which the movie it tends to be about 50 percent on the movie and 50 percent hopping through wikipedia talking about film and uh actors and shit um and it's genuinely a great time people seem to really like it and i really like doing it i think it's um, a great podcast i think if you enjoy this one you'll enjoy that yeah. one too next month we are doing uh the pelican brief right um, yes, we did agree. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If you want to see how we decided to choose that one uh, live on air, yeah, uh, it's in that episode. Yeah, that's definitely one picked. I was like, oh, oh, oh. oh yeah. Um, we just got we just got talking about what Denzel Washington movie we should watch, and uh, that was the one we settled on. Yes. Um. Anyway, uh, thanks so much for listening. Tell your friends. Please share the podcast. There's like a thousand sirens happening right outside right now. Um, And uh, share this around when it hits the Twitter feed. And thank you so much for listening. And we'll be back next time. Movies! Now more than ever. Don't expect to like them. (laughs) 